energy. So the barber trims my beard all nice, like an artist. Now, I didn't tell him to do that. I wanted the beard gone. So then I went home and shaved it off completely after I was done. I felt horrible. The passion. Rafael Devers is the biggest contract in franchise history. He needs to be a leader for this Red Sox team. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Are the Patriots close to playoff contention? Yes. Are they close to Super Bowl contention? Hell no. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show. Happy Wednesday to you here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I'll be straight with you. This is among the hardest days I've ever had here at the Radio Vermont Group. Not hard in terms of subject matter or anything. Not the hardest day to get through because of the stories that we had on the news. Just the hardest physical day to actually get through. I have never had a day like this in radio. And in a way, it's a great test of how good I actually am. And in a way, it's a nice reminder of kind of how hard this business can be. But this has been a day. If you are just joining us for the first time today, I will tell you exactly what has happened. There is a massive Internet and phone outage extending between here and Chittenden County. We are not the only ones affected by this. Some of you are affected at your home, I'm sure. Others of you affected at your business. Some of your cell phones probably aren't working all that great. But we are part of it. There is a massive phone and Internet outage. As a result, we have not been able to look up anything on the Internet here at work all day. We have not been able to make any phone calls all day, so you haven't heard from Roger Hill in a while. You haven't heard from Calvin today live. You didn't hear from any of our other insiders that should have been on or some of our favorite clients that should have been on, like Troy Kingsbury there in the midday news service. You haven't heard from any of them. The reason being is simply put, we cannot do it. We cannot make calls. We cannot look on the Internet. And as a result, it's a huge testament to Kevin Ellis and Bill Sayer and Lee Cattell and Greg Hooker and everyone who's been a part of this station today has had to really alter their process for doing their shows because they haven't had certain things that they usually draw on. We haven't had that, and myself included. Right, The afternoon news service was, was the most different afternoon news service I've ever done here. And this is going to be a Brady Farkas show that's going to be relatively normal because it's something that I'm used to doing is just talking here for 90 minutes. I'm far more comfortable being in an internetless world here on this show than I am in the afternoon news service. But one of the real negative things about this whole outage today is what it's going to do to the Boston Red Sox game tonight. We are not going to be able to broadcast the Red Sox. And it pains me to say that. It angers me to say that because in the two and a half years that I've been here, we have never missed a Red Sox game, right? COVID season when the Red Sox were in last place and you would have wanted to miss games, we had every single one. 2021 trip to the ALCS, we had every one. 2022, last year finishing in last place, we had every one. We are not going to have tonight's game on the air. And it is because we we physically cannot do it. We physically cannot do it. The satellite with which we take the game from is down as a result of the outage. We thought about trying to call WEEI and getting a phone feed of the game. Because the phone is down, we cannot do it. 
We tried to figure out if we could pair some kind of Bluetooth to my phone to where we could play the game over my phone for you. Can't do it. That's where we're at. There will be no Boston Red Sox game today for the first time here in the two and a half years that I have been here. It pains me to say that. It angers me to say that. It annoys me to say that. And I'm sure it annoys you as well. A lot of our listeners build their nights around Red Sox baseball here on DEV. We're with you. We build our nights around it too. I went home last night. I listened to Will Fleming and Lou Maloney. I didn't turn it on on the, te- on the television. I listened to the game. And a lot of you do that too. And tonight you can't. I get it. You're upset. I am too. Now, the good news is that the Red Sox play a day game tomorrow, and I'm told this will be fixed by then. But there will be no live Red Sox baseball today. You can't text in. The Internet's down. I can't see it. You can't call and complain. The phone's down. I can't hear it. So this is one we all just have to grit our teeth and bear it, unfortunately, for the night and accept that we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Now, the game starts at 640. I have limited Ability to do things with my phone right now. I will bring you any updates that happen between 6.40 and 7 when I get off the air. The only benefit of this whole thing is that I'm going to get a full 90 minutes with you. And we haven't had a full 90 minutes this week yet, right? Monday we had a 10-minute show. Tuesday we have a 10-minute show. Today we get a 90-minute show and I get a chance to be with you. I also get the benefit of playing for you the Tom Karen interview from earlier today. I spoke to Tom Karen before everything went haywire. So TC, our Red Sox and Bruins inside over at Ness, and you are going to hear that interview here at about 545 like you usually would on a Wednesday. It was pre-taped, and lucky for me, it was pre-taped because I was able to do I talked to TC in my apartment today at 10 o'clock in the morning before all this happened, not knowing that all this was going on. So we'll have TC. It has been an interesting day. I... Once I got word at, I came in, right, I did the midday news. Once I came in at about 1 o'clock, or once I came in after after the midday news, right, midday news is on at noon. Once I come down from that at 1, I get told, hey, we're not sure about the Red Sox game today. We're not sure. We, we want to get it. We're going to try to get it. Maybe this will be fixed. You need to have a show prepared just in case. So I'm like, okay. So I start going to work, and I'm like, where am I going to prepare for the show? Because I don't have Internet here. I can't look up stuff. I can't use the Google Doc that I usually use to make notes for the show. So I decided to go in town, into Waterbury, and I posted up at an establishment for two hours or so. And I'm not going to tell you which one I was at, because it was great. The, The place did nothing wrong. They let, look, I ordered some food. They let me hang out there for two and a half hours while I planned the show, while I looked at stuff online for the show, et cetera. But I got to tell you, there was, I have almost never been more annoyed than I was today by the people who were sitting behind me in said restaurant. You all know what I'm talking about, right? If the text line was working, I'd be asking you for your worst restaurant experiences. I'm just going to tell you mine today. I'm there. It's 1.10. I've been there for 10 minutes. I've just ordered my first round of food. And I've kind of got my I've got my head buried in the computer. I'm typing away. I'm thinking about Celtic stuff I want to talk about. And we're going to get to some of that here in this show, too. By the way, the show is brought to you by Fecto Homes. Can't forget that. Um, i got my head in the computer. I'm typing things. And all of a sudden, behind me, I just hear this thrashing. 
And it sounds like the sound of when, like, multiple little kids are racing to a booth and they jump in first and they tackle each other. That's what it sounded like. I didn't want to look back. There's definitely a kid there. I think it was just a kid, mom and dad. It was just a kid who had kind of gone thrashing around um, in the booth. And then, look, they're loud. They're annoying. The dad is reading everything on the menu purposely in a weird voice to annoy his wife, not realizing that he's annoying me. I hated these people right off the top. And then I got a good laugh because at this establishment, they had some TVs on and they had some sports on. And this family turns on the Red Sox game from last night and is watching it as if it's live. The family is analyzing the game, talking about the players, looking at the pitches, the kids. You know, kids seem to know what he was talking about to a degree. They have no idea that this is last night's Red Sox game. I wanted to tell them, but then I decided, no, you know what, I just need the laugh. The Internet's out. I'm displaced from work. I'm out here spending money. I Like, I had brought my lunch but now I have to go out and spend money at lunch to justify sitting in this place for two and a half hours. So I'm irritated by all that. And now here these people are watching this game as if it's game seven of the World Series and they think it's live when, in fact, it was yesterday's 7-2 Red Sox loss. That, that took a bad situation and made it interesting for me. The kids thrashing all around the place, but I got a good laugh out of the fact that they had no idea what, what, what game this actually was. I also have determined this. I want to know who I need to talk to about getting different hours to the point where I can post up at places at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and be pounding beers. Because there were people behind me that were having beers 2 o'clock in the afternoon. One guy's ordering Guinness. This group's ordering Coors Light. I want to know who do I have to talk to about getting those hours. Because I would love on a nice Wednesday to be able to post up and have a couple of drinks. But Thus, I can't because I'm working till 7, and I'm thinking to myself, just one time, if I could get the midday off and I could be doing what they're doing, I'm like, who are these people that are on the early happy hour schedule and could be posting up boozing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? I'd like to do what they do, or at least have the hours that they have, or at least have the off day that they have. Who do I got to talk to about getting in that club? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. So I'm a little so here's what here's how my day has gone in order. Wake up, talk to Tom Karen, that was good. Come to work, find out the internet's down, that was bad. Do the midday news with Lee without the internet, that was rough. Then go post up at this restaurant for three hours, plan the show, have these people behind me not know what game is actually on, have the kid thrashing in the booth, and then get jealous of the people who are drinking beers at two o'clock in the afternoon. And now back. The afternoon news was the hardest news I've ever done. And now today I'm back in my comfort zone, but I feel bad the Red Sox aren't on. I do. I'm happy I'm on for 90 minutes. I'm vain like that. I'm happy to hear more of me talk. Not really. I'm just happy to do the show and share it with you. But I can't share it with you because the text line is down. And then, you know, I'm disappointed there's no Red Sox baseball. We will get some Red Sox conversation, though. Okay? We will get some Red Sox conversation. I spoke to Tom Karen, our Sox insider over at Nesson. You're going to hear that interview next as the Sox look to avoid losing their third straight game at the hands of these Tampa Bay Rays. 
TC going to be with me next here in the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, brought to you by Fecto Homes. Want Brady to hear your opinion on the sports stories of the day? Text in at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here at WDEV AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. As you are hearing, this is not Red Sox baseball. The Internet outage has caused us to not be able to play tonight's Red Sox game. We apologize for that. We are as angry as you are, but we will get some Red Sox conversation right now. Earlier in the day, before all this Internet stuff went haywire, I had a chance to speak with Red Sox insider over at Nesson. Tom Karen, TC, with us every single Wednesday at this time. Luckily for me today, this was pre-taped, so we were still able to do it. Red Sox have lost two consecutive games, obviously being beaten by the Rays, who are 11-0 and right now, going for 12-0 and tonight against the Red Sox as that game starts about 640. TC, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing, Brady? I'm doing well. Red Sox, do get, let's start with some good news here. Brian Bayo, great start yesterday at Worcester. He's going to come back. He's going to join. Uh, going to join the rotation, I assume. Bumps out to the bullpen. Pitching staff getting a little deeper. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, you saw Garrett Whitlock last night. It is a stark reminder that what you do in the minors doesn't necessarily translate to the majors, especially against the Tampa Bay Rays right now. But but Bayo, by all accounts last night, Worcester looked great. Uh, living in the mid-90s, touching 97, secondary stuff all looked good. He was efficient, 80-some pitches to get through six innings. Uh, I, I heard nothing but rave reviews about Bayo last night. And again, remember in September last year, the guy had a one six five ERA. So really uh, was, was finding his, uh, his stride down the stretch. See if he can pick it up now. When Paxton comes back, are you in favor of a six man rotation or is somebody getting unexpectedly bumped to the pen? That's a really tough question. I, I know that Alex Cora is not a fan of the six man rotation. So with that on the table, it doesn't really matter what I think because <laughs> he doesn't like it. Uh, now, maybe that'll change because of where they're at, but I had a conversation with him about that at spring training, and he wasn't real interested in going there. So, you know, I, I don't know. It comes down to, to Paxton or Pavetta going to the bullpen. Pavetta's been their best starter, one earned run in 10 innings of work, so that's really hard to pull him out of the rotation right now. Paxton's never really pitched in relief. But you're coming back from an injury. Maybe that's a way to protect him a little bit. Maybe you start him there, long relief. I don't know. You know, it's the oldest cliche in baseball. These things work themselves out. We'll see if someone suffers an injury, what happens. Uh, but it, but it's not an easy fit right now, even though you're right. The, the pitching staff is getting better with these guys back. It's just not easy to plug them all in. Something that's not an easy fix is the Adam Duvall injury, a guy that they were really counting on and a guy who's going to be out somewhere between six and eight weeks, it looks like. Um, are you blaming poor roster construction on what has happened to the Red Sox in the last few days, not really having an answer for a Duval injury? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm blaming the Tampa Bay Rays, right? I mean, they've, they've been doing this to everybody. So it's not, uh, you know, the fact that they have one extra base hit in two games uh, isn't because Duval isn't here. Uh, in part, it hurts, obviously, but – but Rep Snyder's hit well against lefties in his career, and he's good defensively. Uh, you know, the fact that Kike Hernandez is in an 0-for-27 slump right now and is batting 0-83 or whatever it is isn't because Adam Duvall is not in the lineup. So they, they've got 
they've got some guys really cold. Yoshida, you know, hasn't been great. Uh, he's, he showed a couple of flashes, but we haven't seen it consistently yet. Arroyo has really struggled, and, and we didn't expect that, right? The, 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 the word on Arroyo, the book on Arroyo has always been, when he's healthy, he can hit. Uh, well, he's healthy, and he's not hitting. So you got a lot of guys cold right now. McClanahan started the All-Star game last year. I mean, he's one heck of a pitcher. He's 3-0 and with a – you know, sub two ERA. So they got it shoved last night. Monday was a great baseball game. You lost one, nothing. Raphael Devers took three called third strikes for the first time in his career. One with the bases loaded, which is a killer uh, in the eighth inning. So I, you know, I'm not going to overreact and say they've lost two games because Adam Duvall wasn't in the lineup, but there's no doubt he's missing the, uh, they're missing his protection in the middle of that order. I'm ready to throw my four and eight Mariners through a wall right now. At what point are you allowed to be worried slash frustrated about your team's performance? Oh, you can be worried. And I'm not saying I'm not worried about the Red Sox. Uh, It's never too early to worry. It's too early to panic. Uh, I I always try to, you know, we're we're in a football crazed world. So I always try to, you know, 10 games in baseball is the equivalent of one game in football, right? Mm -hmm. So when you, when you're Oh and one, you don't panic when you're, if you're Oh and 10, you probably panic, but if you five and five, four and six, four and eight, I, you know, it's still too early to panic, but some teams have really struggled to get going here. And that can lead to a crisis in confidence that can lead to trouble. Uh, you know, back to the Red Sox. We had a graphic last night. The Red Sox have given up the third uh, tied for the third most home runs in baseball as a pitching staff. Three of the four teams on our list as the four teams that have given up the most home runs have all played a series against the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the common denominator in bad pitching right now is you face the Rays, who are just right now uh, playing as well as any team in the history of baseball over a 10-game stretch. I mean, they have been crazy. You need more from Yoshida or from Turner to in the uh, light of Duvall's injury? Yeah, Turner. I mean, because Yoshida's giving you a little something. Turner's really struggled. I thought last night he took a walk. He got a base hit. I think Turner started to show that, uh, you know, you usually see small signs from a guy when they're coming out of a slump. Even Kike Hernandez late in the game yesterday uh, made it out, but he, he was on the ball opposite field. That sort of makes you see that, feel that he's seeing the strike zone and seeing the ball and maybe poised to come out of it. You know, Manny Ramirez forever. Jerry Remy used to talk about watching. If you get a little base hit, a little dribbler up the middle, but if he's hitting it up the middle, that means he's about to come around. So you watch these signs. I think Turner's ready to come out of it. Uh, You know, tonight is really interesting. They face Taj Bradley, the top uh, prospect in the Rays system. He's getting the, the major league debut tonight. So you got a team that's really scuffling at the plate against a kid who's never pitched in the majors, 22 years old, minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, this is, you know, if you, if you get shoved tonight, uh, you're going to be in trouble because then you come back with a day game tomorrow and, you, and you're really scuffling against Springs, who's been good. Uh, so tonight's a night that you kind of, if you're the Red Sox, you really – Tonight's a night to go win a game, go beat up on a, even if he's a good prospect, it's his major league debut. He'll be over Rams. Get after him. TC, let's move to the Bruins here. Uh, we'll be a little quicker today. Bees right now would play the Islanders in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know that that's officially set yet, but as of now, it's the Islanders. No, the, the Penguins, who have the longest streak of playoff appearances in, in the NHL right now, 16 consecutive years, 
uh, now need Montreal to beat the Islanders, and then they would need to win their last game. So uh, it's either going to be the Islanders or the Penguins. We know that much. But it's right, right now so it's the Islanders. These have the record in hand. Uh, your thoughts on them now as we get ready for the playoffs? I like the way they're playing. You know, last night was a good game. They're winning games. Uh, Allmark scared the heck out of us there when he came out of the game. But yeah. the early reports are good. Uh, so that's a good sign. Uh, I, I, I do. I like the way they're playing. I, you know, we've talked about them all year. They're a complete team. They, they do all the little things right. They've got waves of, you know, of scoring up front. They've got the most depth on the blue line of any team in the NHL. Really curious to see if Olmark gets the uh, baton to run with. Is there some, I mean, you know, Montgomery has hinted that we're going to have a little bit of a rotation maybe, but that's hard to do in the playoffs. Uh, we'll see. I, you know, there's a, I've told you, there is a lot of pressure on this team. As soon as they take the ice next week in the playoffs, the weight of the expectations are squarely on their shoulders. Uh, but it won't take, it's going to be, you know, get a win or two, get rolling, uh, and, and you'll get that confidence back. This team is built for a playoff run. There's no reason to think, I know we all expect the worst in Boston. Uh, the fact that a team has an historic regular season, only makes us scream louder that it doesn't mean anything until you win the cup. Uh, but enjoy it. They've had a record-setting season. They've got experience. They've got depth. I'm hoping Krejci's okay. I'm hoping Allmark's okay. If, if everybody's healthy, they'll be fine. TC, more pressure on the Bruins to back up the record, or more pressure on the Celtics to finish what they started last year? That's, you know, that's a really good question. And, and I think there might be more pressure on the Celtics uh, because, you know, they really let the top seed get away from them. Uh, after, say, you know, after several of them said, we really want the top seed, then they, they went in that funk and, and gave it up. And then it was, well, top seed doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's an interesting team, you know, and there is playoff baggage. You know, the Bruins have the weight of expectations of one really good season, but this isn't the team that's been knocking on the door. The, the playoff history, the recent playoff history of the Celtics, is you know between between uh, locker room fights in the in the in the COVID year and and coming up short in the finals last year, uh, giving away the first seed this year, mystery injuries now as you get closer to the playoffs. I, I think there's a lot of pressure. Uh, a coach who has never been here before as a head coach, uh, there's there's you know and, and the expectations are just as high as the Bruins or any other team in sports right now. So they're expected to win the East. They're expected to get back to the finals. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I mean, the Hawks, I think they'll take care of business. I really do. I don't think that's a problem. Uh, but as you get deeper and the noise gets louder, this team still has to prove uh, that its leadership is ready to take them to that next step. They haven't proved it yet. TC, you're the best. We'll talk in seven days. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. Absolutely. There was Tom Karen of Nesson with me earlier today. So, again, before all the Internet craziness went haywire, I spoke to TC uh, in the – I spoke to him at about 10 a.m. this morning. It's a good thing I did because the Internet went out uh, actually about 9.15 this morning here. But where I was, I was good at that time to speak to TC. So uh, good stuff ultimately with Tom Karen. And a lot of stuff to get to there regarding the Red Sox and a couple of different things. One, Yoshida's out of the lineup today, and he's going to be out of the lineup tomorrow. All right? He's got a hamstring issue. He's not in the lineup today. He's not going to play tomorrow. And they're going to look to get him back on Friday when they take on the Angels um, in the first of four there from Boston there on uh, you know Friday the Friday through Monday series. So Yoshida's going to be out. But in general, 
I think you need more from Yoshida than you do from Turner. Now, Tom Karen says you need more from Turner than Yoshida. I disagree. Adam Duvall is out, so invariably everyone needs to step up, right? Of course, the easy answer is they need more production from both of them, and that's true. But if you're asking me to pick which one needs to step up more, I'm going with Yoshida. They are paying Yoshida $90 million. They are paying Yoshida $18 million a year. That guy's got to step up. And look, I get it. It's not fair to Yoshida. It's not. It's not fair to put that kind of expectation on him. He's coming over to a new country, a new way of life, a new language. He's traveling in a way he's never traveled before. He's facing pitchers he's never seen, pitchers he's never heard of, pitching styles you don't see in Japan, more velocity than you see in Japan. There's an adjustment period here. And I recognize that it's going to look a lot better for Yoshida in June than it does in April. I totally get that. But you're asking me the situation the Red Sox are in now. Now they need Yoshida to be the guy who's making $18 million a year. It's not fair, but it is reality. If the Red Sox want to be better than we expect, if the Red Sox want to be better than a fourth or fifth place team, if the Red Sox want to hang within shouting distance of the playoff race and not let the Rays totally run and hide on them, if they want to accomplish that, they're going to need some superhuman efforts, and Yoshida overcoming everything I just talked about would be a superhuman effort. You're going to need it. Yoshida has the tools in the toolbox. We have seen it. I do not think that Yoshida is going to come over here and just be garbage for five years. We've seen in the World Baseball Classic the ability for him to turn on pitches and drive him out of the ballpark to right field. We've seen him against Pittsburgh here for the Red Sox, drive it out to left field and use the wall to his advantage. I've seen his ability to spoil pitches. I've seen his good discerning eye. I have seen Yoshida do things that lead me to believe he can and will be good. He just needs to do them sooner if the Red Sox want to stay around. Justin Turner, who TC needs to step up, I get why he says that. He says Turner needs to step up for what reason? Well, probably because he's a veteran. He's experienced it. He's been here. He's a leader. He's been through it before. The, the, the things that Yoshida's dealing with, TC takes into account and says Turner's not dealing with them, so he's got to be the guy. I don't look at it that way. I get where TC's coming from, but I don't look at it that way. Justin Turner is almost 40 years old. I don't sign almost 40-year-olds and then turn to them immediately and say, you've got to be the difference maker. I expected Justin Turner to come in and replace J.D. Martinez. And what do I think replacing J.D. Martinez is? I think it's probably 15 to 17 homers with 60 to 65 RBIs and a guy who's going to give you good professional at-bats. That That's what I expect from Justin Turner. I do not expect carry-the-offense-type stuff from him. Yoshida's getting $18 million a year and $90 million total. I've got to expect, it's reasonable to expect, carry the offense type stuff from him, even if it's earlier than it should be. It's not fair, the expectations we're putting on this guy. But it's going to have to happen. This is the position the Red Sox are in, right? They don't have five or six guys that it's okay to lose one. 
They have one to two guys, and it's hard to lose any of them. So if you do, you're going to need a superhuman effort from somebody, and Yoshida is the guy that can give you that or is the guy that's going to have to give you that because he's got it in his toolbox. And some of these other guys don't. And even Turner, he's very much on the back nine. He's playing holes 15 through 18 right now. He's going to have an opportunity you know, to contribute to this team, but he doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all to this team. I also want to address the other elephant in the room, and that is the pitching staff. Because this is a very, very interesting conundrum the Red Sox are in here. They are soon, knock on wood, going to have six starters for five spots. Right? The same issue they could have had in spring training, they are realistically about to have. Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, those three. Now Garrett Whitlock. Now Brian Bayo's coming back. And soon it's going to be James Paxton. What do you do? Realistically, what do you do if you're the Red Sox in that scenario? Because it's not an easy scenario to navigate. And I think whatever the Red Sox choose here, they're probably going to be wrong. Whatever the Red Sox choose, they're probably going to be wrong. I am in favor, I guess reluctantly, of the six-man rotation. I was in favor of it coming out of spring. Then I kind of backed off on it. I'm in favor of it, in favor of it again reluctantly. I don't think there's any good answer here. This seems to be the least objectionable to me. Let's just run through it quickly. Let's run through the choices. Six-man rotation. What's the benefit? The benefit is your injury-prone starters get an extra day of rest, have to carry less of a load, and therefore are likely to stay healthier longer. Right? Kluber's a risk. Sale's a risk. Whitlock's recovering. And Bayo is an injury risk now. Slash has innings limitations because he's only 23 years old. Having six starters alleviates a lot of that. That is the clear benefit. What's the downside? Well, if you have six starters, your bullpen is thinner. And you have older starters that aren't likely to go seven innings every time out. If they're only going to go five, you're going to need bullpen arms. And you now, if you have six starters, have one less guy in the bullpen, and that's a problem. So I acknowledge the six-man rotation is not perfect. But to me, it's kind of the least objectionable thing you can do at this point. Right? It's kind of the least objectionable thing you can do. Because let's run down the other choices. You want to get to five starters. If you want to get to five starters, here are your ways to do it. You can send Bayo to AAA, or you can send him to the bullpen. I'm against both of those. Brian Bayo is a guy you need to see at the major league level, and he's a guy who needs to start there. Brian Bayo is 23 years old. He is the most exciting pitching prospect that you have. He showed electric stuff last year in September. TC said ERA under two in September last year. He's been working with Pedro Martinez. He throws 96, 97 miles an hour. He's got the good changeup. I need to see him start. As the Red Sox transition kind of to the next phase of the Red Sox, they're going to need a front-line arm, and i got to see if Bayo can be that guy. i got to see if he can be that guy. 
So he needs to me to be in the majors, and he needs to start. So I'm not putting him in the bullpen, and I'm not sending him into the minors. So that's out. The other thing you can do is send Paxton to the bullpen. That's kind of what TC mentioned. I had been an advocate of that for a while, too. Not anymore. After talking to Buster Olney last week, I think Buster made a lot of sense. James Paxton has a lot of injury concerns himself. We know that. He's barely pitched in the last three years. He barely pitched in 2020. He threw an inning in 2021. He didn't pitch in 2022. And now here he's starting on the shelf. He's an injury concern. Bullpen is not a good spot for a guy like that. The conventional thought, like TC mentioned, is uh, you can put him in the bullpen, you can nurse him, an inning here or an inning there. Buster was right. I hate to say TC was just wrong. TC was wrong. Buster was right. Bullpenning is not a good thing for a guy like James Paxton. Because if James Paxton goes to the bullpen, here's what happens. He gets warmed up in the fifth inning, and then they ask him to sit down and then get up in the seventh again. Never done it. Not good for him. You ask him to get hot in the eighth inning, and then you don't bring him in, and you ask him to do the same thing tomorrow. Not good for him. Too much up, down, inconsistent usage. James Paxton has been so injured, he needs a routine, and starting is that routine. So he needs to be a starter as well. And the final scenario is Pavetta going to the bullpen. Now we've seen that that makes sense. We've seen Pavetta in the pen before. 2021 playoffs, he was excellent. He's got the competitiveness. He's got the juice. He's got the ability to turn it on for an inning or two at a time. I can see Nick Pavetta as a bullpen arm. I don't think it's great for this team for a couple of reasons. One, he has been your best starter. I don't want to take him out of that. And two, if I were Nick Pavetta, I'd be raising hell if I were sent to the bullpen. One, I'm your best starter. Why are you doing this to me? And two, I'm going to be a free agent after 2024, and if you put me to the bullpen, you are going to drastically impact my earnings. Nick Pavetta is going to get one shot at this thing contract-wise, right? Nick Pavetta is 30 years old as it is. He's going to hit the he's going to hit the market at 31 or 32. He's got one shot to get paid in this game. One shot to get a four-year, $50 million deal. One shot, that's it. If I put him in the bullpen, he's not going to get that anymore. If I'm Pavetta and I get sent to the pen, I am going into High and Bloom's office and saying, what the hell are you doing to me? You are impacting, you are punishing me for what reason? I've been our best starter. I don't deserve a demotion. And oh, by the way, I'm coming up on a contract year, and I'd like to get paid. No matter what the Red Sox do, I think they're I think they're hurting here, right? You're running the six man rotation. You got a thin thin bullpen. You send Bayo to AAA, you're hurting his development. You send him to the bullpen, you're hurting his development. Send Paxson to the bullpen, you can hurt him. You send Pavetta to the bullpen, I think I think he'd be have a justifiable reason to just be livid. There are no good options when it comes to this. I am choosing. I am choosing the six-man rotation. And if somebody gets hurt again, then it just solves itself on its own. And you have such an injury history with your team, it very well might solve it on its own. But while you've got this problem, I'd be going with all six guys in the rotation. Again, lukewarmly, 
begrudgingly, but that is where I'm at. That is where I'm at. It is the Radio Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We have a full show tonight. We're up until 7 o'clock. Uh, Jazz with George Thomas will come up at that point. There is no Red Sox baseball tonight because of these massive Internet and phone outages that we've experienced and others have experienced. We are unfortunately impacted by that. There is no workaround for us on this. We have tried. We have called people from our cell phones. We have reached out to connections. We've looked at Bluetooth options for connecting to a phone. Everything is out and nothing will be able to work. We are disappointed about it. The benefit for us is a full night of the Brady Farkas show and a full jazz with George Thomas. That is something that we are happy about as well. The Red Sox will be on the field at Tropicana Field a half an hour from now. 6.40 is the first pitch. I will continue to bring you updates on that if anything happens in the time we're on the air between 6.40 and 7. I will give you the Red Sox lineups for tonight, though. The Rays are 11 and 0. The Red Sox are 5 and 6 on the season. For the Red Sox, Alex Verdugo leads off in right. Rafi Devers is at third. Justin Turner's the DH. Tristan Casas is at first. Rymel Tapia is in left today. Bobby Dahlbeck is your shortstop. Reese McGuire is the catcher. Yu Chang is at second, and Kike Hernandez is in center. This is not the lineup you'd want out there if you're the Red Sox trying to break a two-game losing streak. I mean. Casas, who's really struggling in the cleanup spot. Dahlbeck at shortstop. Yu Chang. And then Kike, who is, you know, a week and a half into playing shortstop. Now back out in center, hitting about a 080. On the mound for the Red Sox is Chris Sale. He's 1-0 with an 11.25 ERA. For the Rays, Yandi Diaz is the DH. Wander Franco is at short. Isak Paredes is at first. Randy Arozarena is in left. Harold Ramirez is in right. Manuel Margot, the former Red Sox farmhand, is in center. Taylor Walls is at third. Christian Bettencourt is the catcher. And Vidal Bruhan is at second, making his major league debut. One of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. That's Taj Bradley. He is on the mound, 0-0, with an ERA of zero. It is the Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. We are brought to you by Fecto Homes. I ask you this. You can't text in your answer. So be thinking about it, though. I ask you this. Who is under more pressure heading towards the playoffs? The Boston Celtics or the Boston Bruins? I'll give you my answer next. Here on the Brady Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes on DEV. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Brought to you by Fecto Homes going up until 7 o'clock tonight. And then Jazz with George Thomas. Again, no Red Sox baseball today because of all the technological issues around the state. We are sorry about that. I will bring you uh, updates on it once the game starts at 640. I want to move now to the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics because I think this is a fascinating question. And, again, you can't text in because of these issues. So, just be thinking about this in your car. Whether you're in your car listening, you're going to listen on the podcast later and you're hearing this, whatever it is, think about this question. Which team has more pressure on them, the Boston Celtics or the Boston Bruins? Right? And let's acknowledge they both have pressure. 
There is pressure on both organizations. The Bruins have the pressure to back up this historic season, right? Most wins in NHL history. They have the pressure to finish the job. The Celtics also have immense pressure. They got to the NBA Finals last year. They have this core that has grown from a young and promising core to a team that is ready and should be at a championship level. The only way to go further than they did a year ago is to win the whole damn thing. So there's pressure on them, too. My question for you is which one of them has more? And for me, I'm going with the Boston Celtics. I'm going with the Boston Celtics. I know a lot of people will say that, hey, the Bruins made history, therefore they have the pressure. That's a fair argument. But for me, I'm going with the Celtics. There's a couple of different reasons. One is what you heard TC say a little while ago. Right, We had TC on at 545. He answered this question, and he said something I think is really, really true. The Celtics have years of kind of playoff stench to overcome. The Bruins are carrying with them the weight of this one season. The Celtics are carrying around the weight of several seasons with them. This Tatum, Brown, smart core has been to the Eastern Conference Finals three times, I think. Right? They got there against the Cavs twice, got there against, you know, got there last year and won it, and then got to the Finals. So they've been knocking on the door. They failed with Isaiah Thomas. They failed with Kyrie Irving. They failed with Kemba Walker. And now here they are, the new Celtics. And they are trying to get one further than they did a year ago, which is winning the whole thing. They are carrying around playoff baggage that the Bruins aren't really carrying around. And that playoff baggage, that weighs on you. The Celtics also, they've kind of pressed all the different buttons that you can press here, haven't they? They've been doing a bunch of different things, right? They've done it with Isaiah. They've done it with Kyrie. They've done it with Kemba. Now they've tried to bring and upgrade the bench by bringing in Brogdon. They've changed out upper management. They've done it the Danny Ainge way. They've done it the Brad Stevens way. They've done it the Brad Stevens way, the Ime Udoka way, the Joe Mazzula way. The Celtics have been in the lab trying to figure out how to win the whole thing. They've pressed a lot of different buttons and pulled a lot of different levers, and they got to beat the door down. But the Bruins have pressure. I get it. They have an older team. There's no guarantee that this team can do this again next season. The thought has always been, ah, the Celtics are young, they'll be back. And they're probably more likely to be back than the Bruins are, but they still have more pressure because it's, it's time. They've pressed all the buttons, they've pulled all the levers, they've got the experience now, and they're carrying around all that baggage. There's more pressure with that. The other reason why I think the Celtics have more pressure is just the nature of the NBA. In the NBA, it is now a minute-by-minute league. There's no other way to say it. It is a minute-by-minute league. We don't. You can have a great situation on Monday and the team be totally blown up by Tuesday. And that is a reality in the NBA that doesn't exist in the NHL. 
The Bruins might not be back next year because of age, but the Celtics could be torn apart tomorrow because that's what happens in the NBA. Player empowerment in the NBA has never been higher, right? You look around. You go back 15 years, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, they forced hands on their teams. And then we've seen Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Ben Simmons. This is what the NBA superstar does. So if the Celtics flame out here in the playoffs, we don't know that one of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or both won't just call the same kind of power play that all of those guys did. And you should be worried about that. If you want to head that off, win the title. We talk about college coaches having to re-recruit their rosters every year. It's the same thing in the NBA. How do I keep my stars happy, engaged, and wanting to stay here? Well, the best way to do that is go and win the whole damn thing. You want to keep Jason Tatum happy? Win it. You want to keep Jalen Brown happy? Win it. Because if you don't, and heaven forbid you flame out early, you do not know what's coming and you might not want to know. Jalen Brown has already scared us all half to death, has he not? He's already gone on record with the media and said, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. He's already made us wonder how long he is for the Celtics organization. I don't want to be in that position wondering where if this team goes out in the second round, you're thinking about, oh boy, is Jalen going to walk into Brad Stevens' office and demand a trade? Is Tatum going to do the same? It could happen. Is it likely? I would say no. But it does happen. It can happen. And because it can happen, it worries me. And because it worries me, that's why the pressure is on the Celtics. That doesn't exist in the NHL, really. We saw Jack Eichel do it in Buffalo, force his way out. You don't see it happen as much. Player empowerment hasn't hit the NHL like it's hit the NBA. The Celtics, to me, have the pressure because you just don't know. You just don't know what could happen in the course of an NBA offseason. And I don't want to find out. So the Celtics better find a way to win it. 802-585-3026 is the phone number. There I am on autopilot giving you the phone number even though you can't text it. I suppose you could text it. I just can't see it. So you could text it and I can get these things for tomorrow. We have a full show tomorrow after Red Sox baseball. But, um, yeah, I cannot, I can't see the, uh, the text message if you do send it. But go ahead and send it and we'll have some conversation points for 24 hours from now. When I get home, I can look at the text line. But uh, And the Internet should be back and restored by early tomorrow morning, we've been told. So that means we should be all good for the show tomorrow and uh, Red Sox baseball tomorrow. Let's play another game here. On Let's play another pressure game here. On the Celtics, right? Let's We acknowledge the Celtics have pressure. Maybe you don't think it's as much as the Bruins like I do, but we acknowledge the Celtics have pressure. Who has more pressure on the Celtics? Is it... Joe Missoula, their head coach? Or is it Jason Tatum, their superstar? Now, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, our guy, we love Phil. He says it's Tatum, no question. I don't doubt that Missoula will have pressure on him, but I think most people understand, the people who will be applying the pressure, fans, media, etc., look at any team in the NBA, and they say, 
they're only going to go as far as their superstar will carry them. So for me, the Celtic with the most pressure on him is Jason Tatum. And it's really, I don't think it's very close because you look at the way it ended last year, Trenny, how the finals went for him. There is going to be an immense amount of pressure for him to start strong and keep it going. I think Phil's really smart. I think Phil makes really smart points. I disagree with Phil, though. I think Joe Mazzula has more pressure. And the reason why is because of everything that I just said. The job of the NBA coach now is to keep your superstars happy. And the way to keep your superstars happy is to win the whole thing or at least give them the belief that you're a guy they can ride with and that you can win the whole thing. That That's what has to happen. Joe Missoula is being judged every day by his superstars. Right? These guys see the power play. Jimmy Butler just came on the screen. He's a guy who's forced to trade. Kevin Durant just came on the screen. Oh, he's forced to trade. Guys in the NBA force their way out of situations. And Tatum and Brown know it, and they know that they hold the leverage. So Joe Missoula, his job is how do I keep those guys happy? How do I keep those guys committed? How do I keep those guys wanting to stay here and not doing what all those other guys have done? The way he does that is win the title or at least give the belief to his star players that he could. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. He's being judged in everything he does by his star players. Who starts the game? Who finishes the game? Who gets the final shot? What about the out-of-bounds plays? How do we do on defense? What was our game plan for the stars? What were our substitution patterns like? What were our travel situations like? Joe Missoula is being judged on all of that. And if he fails at that stuff, what stops Jalen Brown from walking into Brad Stevens' office? And you know what saying? I'm out. I'm a free agent next year. I'm in my last year. Trade me and get something for me. I'm not coming back here. What stops him? Tatum has huge pressure, right? From the everyday fan, from the everyday media member, Jason Tatum's going to wear the brunt of this. There's no doubt. Is he, you're going to see all the things. Is he elite? Is he a top score? Is he a top player? Is he just a score? Did it, can he carry a franchise? Is he a number one? Was last year a fluke or is this who he is? Is he a choke artist? Can he win the big one? You're going to see all of those narratives. Every single narrative out there is going to come for Jason Tatum. There's no doubt about it. Nationally, he's going to be the conversation. What matters, though, truthfully, is Joe Missoula. Does Joe Missoula keep Jason Tatum happy? Does he keep Jalen Brown happy? And that is where the pressure is. That's where the pressure is. I'm looking at the odds right now. The Celtics are heavy favorites against the Atlanta Hawks in this series, which begins on Saturday. The Celtics are minus 1,000 favorites. So if you are not really into gambling, what that means is the Celtics are such a big favorite, you have to bet $1,000 in order to win $100. Right? So you put down 1000 all you would profit was 100 they're telling you basically the odds are so good on the Celtics winning, you're not really making any money if you take them, right? You want to put down 10 bucks, what do you win, like one cent or something like that? Is that the conversion rate here? But you have to, you have to bet a thousand dollars to win $100 if you are taking the Celtics. 
The Hawks are plus 650. What that means, if you put down $100, you'd make 650. So that's the better bet. Like, you make far more money betting Atlanta than you do the Celtics. I do think the Celtics are going to roll in the first round. I can't tell you they're going to win the title, but I think they're going to roll in the first round. I am not a Trey Young guy, and I'm not the only one. Okay, Nick Friedell of ESPN, he was on ESPN Radio earlier today. He he agreed. He said, I am also not a uh, also not a Trey Young guy. He's not that guy to me. I have never believed that he could be that guy. I think he is a hell of an offensive talent. He's gotten better on that front over time. He's never going to be any kind of defensive stopper. But the question is very simple. Do you think that he is the number one guy on a team that has a legit chance? And my answer is just as simple. No. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Trey Young is a very good is a very good offensive player. I don't believe he's a number one on a championship team. The Hawks should be better than they are, right? They're forty one and forty one this year, I believe. Playing in the play in tournament. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. And they've regressed and gotten worse. I think last year they were the seven seed in the playoffs. You know, beat by Miami. This year they're the seven seed. They haven't gotten any better. And Trey Young has appeared to be a problem for his teammate and his coach. Nate McMillan's gone. Why doesn't he get along with Trey Young? Kevin Herter got traded. Why Trey Young allegedly wanted him out? To me, when I watch Trey Young play, I think he's so frustrating. He's a good shooter and a good scorer. But he takes ill-advised shots. He takes shots quick in the shot clock. Even though he averages 10 assists, and God forbid, I don't know how. That's got to be a product of the NBA, just everybody being able to score. But he takes bad shots, wild shots, ill-advised shots. He's small. I think the Celtics are going to rough him up. I don't think he responds to contact well. I don't think he's a great leader on the floor. I don't love his body language. Trey Young is just not a guy that I roll with, and I think the Celtics are going to find a way to absolutely frustrate him. Now, the Celtics have some good players, right? Or the uh, Hawks have some good players. Clint Capella, good. Bogdanovich, good. John Collins, good. The Celt- uh, the uh, Hawks, I keep saying Celtics. The Hawks are number one in points per game since Quinn Snyder took over as head coach. They're seventh in field goal percentage. They're second in offensive rebounding. They play up tempo. So the Hawks are scary from an offensive standpoint. But I don't love Trey Young, and that's their leader. And I think the Celtics are going to find a way to take him largely out of this thing. If he gets 25 points, he might. But he might do it on 7 of 24 shooting. And I think that's what the Celtics are going to be able to do. It's the Brady Farkas Show. Brought to you by Fecto Homes on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. UVM men's basketball brings back Aaron Deloney. One of you yesterday on the text line has a problem with that. Huh? We'll talk about it next on DEV. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com.
Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up next right at 7 o'clock here on DEV. Again, no Red Sox baseball today. Sox are getting ready to start in Tampa. Chris Sale on the mound. I will bring you any updates on anything if that game uh, has any action uh, in it here early on. Text says, well, let's see, here you go. I was able to get the text on my phone. And this is Marion Randolph who says, no WDEV on the radio all day. What's up? I'm lost without you. Um, now I'm telling her to try the AM. I'm curious if any of you are having this issue also. If you are listening, you can text in 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. And, uh, yeah. That is uh, on the text line. We are able to see the text on my phone occasionally. That one came in from Marion Randolph. So uh, see what we can do um, for her. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up again at 7 o'clock. Uh, Aaron Deloney is coming back to UVM men's basketball next year. And I talked about it yesterday. I'm thrilled by it. Right, He entered the transfer portal. Three weeks later, he comes out of the transfer portal and goes back to UVM. I always thought it was a possibility. I did not know if it was a guarantee, but I always thought it was a possibility. I got a text last night from somebody who said, I can't believe UVM let him into the portal and then brought him back. And did they hold a spot for him? And what if he just left them high and dry? You know, if you go into the portal, you shouldn't be allowed to come back. That's not true. First off, I think there are some people that once they enter the portal, they are not coming back. I do believe that's true. Perry Smith Jr., George Ochoa, they left UVM, entered the portal. I think UVM said, okay, do it, but you ain't coming back here, right? We are giving your scholarships away. You go into the portal, you're not coming back. So I think that that does happen. But for Aaron Deloney, that doesn't happen. For your best players, for your star players, for your most senior players, for your most respected players, you give them a chance. You, This is how life works. When you're really good at something and you're really valuable at something, you get opportunities that others don't. That is just reality. Perry Smith Jr. barely played at UVM. He wants to transfer? Fine. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Go somewhere else. We'll take the scholarship and we'll fill it. We'll fill it. Aaron Deloney wants to enter the transfer portal. Hey, Aaron, it's been four years. You've given us a lot. Feel free to check it out, but stay in contact with us. We'd love to have you back. We want you back here. Go look, but but talk to us throughout the process. We want to know. I'm fine with that. Aaron Deloney deserves different treatment than Perry Smith Jr. or George Ochoa. Why? He was here for four years, not one. He's been to two NCAA tournaments. He's been sixth man of the year twice. That's a guy you open the door back up for. That's the guy you say, okay, we'll keep your scholarship warm for you. As far as I understood, I was told kind of off the record by somebody I trust that UVM's coaching staff was in constant contact with Deloney, and they were re-recruiting him all the time to bring him back. So they knew that they wanted him back, and they knew they were keeping the seat warm for him. UVM was going to lose Smith 
and Ochoa to the transfer portal. They look, there's two. They knew all along. There's two transfers. We got scholarships opened up for now. They go get the kid from Fairfield. That's going to be one. They go get somebody else. That'll be two. And Deloney, he's the third one. We want him back. We want him to take the third one. And I think the team was all right knowing that if Deloney left, he was going to leave with enough time probably to give them a chance to fill it. I don't think Aaron Deloney was going to leave them completely high and dry. So I didn't really get that texter who said that. That that kind of bothered me because you, you do make exceptions to the rule. Okay? You do make exceptions to the rule. And you do that for your best players. I mean, it's just that simple. People who are good at things, people who are valuable to you, they, they play by different rules. They always have and they always will. Right? Look, a guy who has been an employee at your company for 30 years is going to get something different than a guy who's been in your employee for 30 minutes. It's just, it's just life, baby. It's just life. Uh, one other note on Deloney. I saw a bunch of commentary yesterday. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm getting a couple of texts. Um, I'm sorry here to do this to you all, but I'm trying to respond to the text on my phone. Um, it says we are in Cabot. Haven't been able to get you all day on the FM channels. Uh, okay. So couple people are writing in now if you're trying to listen on the stream that is down as a result of the website being out as a result of the internet being out if you're trying to listen on your smart speaker you're out apparently on the fm people can't get us either so we might be stuck here with quote just the am and that might be where we're at right now this has been a hellish day um okay texter says we can get the am that's good so that was sylvia in Cabot. so let me reset that for you now, Sylvia. Internet's out. Phone lines are out. As a result, the stream is down. Smart speaker is down. Apparently, the FM is down also. So the AM is what's left. That's where we're at right now. This outage is going to last until 7 a.m. tomorrow, we are told. And uh, as a result, no Red Sox baseball today, which is not something that we are happy about. But such is our lot in life right now. It is what it is. It's not just us being affected by this. It's all the way from... Um, from here in central Vermont all the way up into Chittenden County. So several businesses are affected by this, and we'll have things back at it again tomorrow. Um, so there you go. Uh, right now it is 645 here on WDEV, and I want to address the one thing with Aaron Deloney again. Um, I saw a lot of this yesterday online. Hey, Deloney's back, and he's going to be a starter, and he's going to likely play for player of the year, et cetera. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, brought to you by Fecto Homes, going up until 7 o'clock tonight, and then jazz with George Thomas. Again, no Red Sox baseball today because of all the technological issues around the state. We are sorry about that. I will bring you uh, updates on it once the game starts at 640. I want to move now to the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics because I think this is a fascinating question. And again, you can't text in because of these issues, so... Just be thinking about this in your car. Whether you're in your car listening, you're 
going to listen on the podcast later and you're hearing this, whatever it is, think about this question. Which team has more pressure on them, the Boston Celtics or the Boston Bruins? Right? And let's acknowledge they both have pressure. There is pressure on both organizations. The Bruins have the pressure to back up this historic season, right? Most wins in NHL history. They have the pressure to finish the job. The Celtics also have immense pressure. They got to the NBA Finals last year. They have this core that has grown from a young and promising core to a team that is ready and should be at a championship level. The only way to go further than they did a year ago is to win the whole damn thing. So there's pressure on them, too. My question for you is, which one of them has more? And for me, I'm going with the Boston Celtics. I'm going with the Boston Celtics. I know a lot of people will say that, hey, the Bruins made history, therefore they have the pressure. That's a fair argument. But for me, I'm going with the Celtics. There's a couple of different reasons. One is what you heard TC say a little while ago. Right, We had TC on at 545. He answered this question, and he said something I think is really, really true. The Celtics have years of kind of playoff stench to overcome. The Bruins are carrying with them the weight of this one season. The Celtics are carrying around the weight of several seasons with them. This Tatum-Brown smart core has been to the Eastern Conference Finals three times, I think. Right? They got there against the Cavs twice. Got there against, you know, got there last year and won it and then got to the Finals. So they've been knocking on the door. They failed with Isaiah Thomas. They failed with Kyrie Irving. They failed with Kemba Walker. And now here they are, the new Celtics. And they are trying to get one further than they did a year ago, which is winning the whole thing. They are carrying around playoff baggage that the Bruins aren't really carrying around. And that playoff baggage, that weighs on you. The Celtics also, they've kind of pressed all the different buttons that you can press here, haven't they? They've been doing a bunch of different things, right? They've done it with Isaiah. They've done it with Kyrie. They've done it with Kemba. Now they've tried to bring and upgrade the bench by bringing in Brogdon. They've changed out upper management. They've done it the Danny Ainge way. They've done it the Brad Stevens way. They've done it the Brad Stevens way, the Ime Udoka way, the Joe Mazzula way. The Celtics have been in the lab trying to figure out how to win the whole thing. They've pressed a lot of different buttons and pulled a lot of different levers, and they got to beat the door down. But the Bruins have pressure. I get it. They have an older team. There's no guarantee that this team can do this again next season. The thought has always been, ah, the Celtics are young, they'll be back. And they're probably more likely to be back than the Bruins are, but they still have more pressure because it's time. They've pressed all the buttons, they've pulled all the levers, they've got the experience now, and they're carrying around all that baggage. There's more pressure with that. The other reason why I think the Celtics have more pressure is just the nature of the NBA. In the NBA, it is now a minute-by-minute league. 
There's no other way to say it. It is a minute-by-minute leak. We don't – you could have a great situation on Monday and the team be totally blown up by Tuesday. And that is a reality in the NBA that doesn't exist in the NHL. The Bruins might not be back next year because of age, but the Celtics could be torn apart tomorrow because that's what happens in the NBA. Player empowerment in the NBA has never been higher. Right? You look around. You go back 15 years. Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, they forced hands on their teams. And then we've seen Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Ben Simmons. This is what the NBA superstar does. So if the Celtics flame out here in the playoffs, we don't know that one of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or both won't just call the same kind of power play that all of those guys did. And you should be worried about that. If you want to head that off, win the title. We talk about college coaches having to re-recruit their rosters every year. It's the same thing in the NBA. How do I keep my stars happy, engaged, and wanting to stay here? Well, the best way to do that is go and win the whole damn thing. You want to keep Jason Tatum happy? Win it. You want to keep Jalen Brown happy? Win it. Because if you don't, and heaven forbid you flame out early, you do not know what's coming and you might not want to know. Jalen Brown has already scared us all half to death, has he not? He's already gone on record with the media and said, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. He's already made us wonder how long he is for the Celtics organization. I don't want to be in that position wondering where if this team goes out in the second round, you're thinking about, oh boy, is Jalen going to walk into Brad Stevens' office and demand a trade? Is Tatum going to do the same? It could happen. Is it likely? I would say no. But it does happen. It can happen. And because it can happen, it worries me. And because it worries me, that's why the pressure is on the Celtics. That doesn't exist in the NHL, really. We saw Jack Eichel do it in Buffalo, force his way out. You don't see it happen as much. Player empowerment hasn't hit the NHL like it's hit the NBA. The Celtics, to me, have the pressure because you just don't know. You just don't know what could happen in the course of an NBA offseason. And I don't want to find out. So the Celtics better find a way to win it. 802-585-3026 is the phone number. There I am on autopilot giving you the phone number even though you can't text it. I suppose you could text it. I just can't see it. So you could text it and I can get these things for tomorrow. We have a full show tomorrow after Red Sox baseball. But, um, yeah, I cannot, I can't see the, uh, the text message if you do send it. But go ahead and send it and we'll have some conversation points for 24 hours from now. When I get home, I can look at the text line. But uh, And the Internet should be back and restored by early tomorrow morning, we've been told. So that means we should be all good for the show tomorrow and uh, Red Sox baseball tomorrow. Let's play another game here. On Let's play another pressure game here. On the Celtics, right? Let's We acknowledge the Celtics have pressure. Maybe you don't think it's as much as the Bruins like I do, but we acknowledge the Celtics have pressure. Who has more pressure on the Celtics? Is it... Joe Missoula, their head coach? Or is it Jason Tatum, their superstar? Now, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, our guy, we love Phil. He says 
It's Tatum, no question. I don't doubt that Missoula will have pressure on him, but I think most people understand, the people who will be applying the pressure, fans, media, etc., look at any team in the NBA, and they say they're only going to go as far as their superstar will carry them. So for me, the Celtic with the most pressure on him is Jason Tatum, and it's really, I don't think it's very close because you look at the way it ended last year, Trenny, how the finals went for him, there is going to be an immense amount of pressure for him to start strong and keep it going. I think Phil's really smart. I think Phil makes really smart points. I disagree with Phil, though. I think Joe Mazzulla has more pressure. And the reason why is because of everything that I just said. The job of the NBA coach now is to keep your superstars happy. And the way to keep your superstars happy is to win the whole thing or at least give them the belief that you're a guy they can ride with and that you can win the whole thing. That That's what has to happen. Joe Missoula is being judged every day by his superstars. Right? These guys see the power play. Jimmy Butler just came on the screen. He's a guy who's forced to trade. Kevin Durant just came on the screen. Oh, he's forced to trade. Guys in the NBA force their way out of situations, and Tatum and Brown know it, and they know that they hold the leverage. So Joe Missoula, his job is how do I keep those guys happy? How do I keep those guys committed? How do I keep those guys wanting to stay here and not doing what all those other guys have done? The way he does that is win the title or at least give the belief to his star players that he could. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. He's being judged in everything he does by his star players. Who starts the game? Who finishes the game? Who gets the final shot? What about the out-of-bounds plays? How do we do on defense? What was our game plan for the stars? What were our substitution patterns like? What were our travel situations like? Joe Missoula is being judged on all of that. And if he fails at that stuff, what stops Jalen Brown from walking into Brad Stevens' office and, you know what, saying, I'm out. I'm a free agent next year. I'm in my last year. Trade me and get something for me. I'm not coming back here. What stops him? Tatum has huge pressure, right? From the everyday fan, from the everyday media member, Jason Tatum's going to wear the brunt of this. There's no doubt. Is he, you're going to see all the things. Is he elite? Is he a top score? Is he a top player? Is he just a score? Did it, can he carry a franchise? Is he a number one? Was last year a fluke or is this who he is? Is he a choke artist? Can he win the big one? You're going to see all of those narratives. Every single narrative out there is going to come for Jason Tatum. There's no doubt about it. Nationally, he's going to be the conversation. What matters, though, truthfully, is Joe Missoula. Does Joe Missoula keep Jason Tatum happy? Does he keep Jalen Brown happy? And that is where the pressure is. That's where the pressure is. I'm looking at the odds right now. The Celtics are heavy favorites against the Atlanta Hawks in this series, which begins on Saturday. The Celtics are minus 1,000 favorites. So if you are not really into gambling, what that means is the Celtics are such a big favorite, you have to bet $1,000 in order to win $100. Right? So you put down 1000 all you would profit was 100 They're telling you basically the odds are so good on the Celtics winning, 
You're not really making any money if you take them, right? You want to put down 10 bucks when you win like one cent or something like that? Is that the conversion rate here? But you have to, you have to bet a thousand dollars to win $100 if you are taking the Celtics. The Hawks are plus 650. What that means, if you put down a hundred dollars, you'd make 650. So that's the better bet. Like you make, I would, not necessarily pencil all of that in. I don't have any inside knowledge on this. I just know that Aaron Deloney is really good off the bench, and John Becker really likes his energy off the bench. I think that Deloney will be a huge part of UVM next season. I think he's going to play 30 to 32 minutes a game. I think he's going to have a chance to be their leading scorer. And I do believe he will have a chance to be player of the year. I think he's going to play enough to be player of the year. That said, I don't know that I'd pencil him in as a starter. And I don't know. I'm just going on instinct of what I've heard John Becker say. I love that kid. I love what he brings us off the bench. I love the energy. I love the spark. I love the instant heat-up ability that he brings to the table. And if John Becker loves that, don't be surprised if just maybe he keeps Aaron Deloney on the bench next year. Right? Sits him out the first four minutes of the game, plays him 12 of the next 16. Sits him out for the first four minutes of the game, or the first four minutes of the second half, plays him for 12 of the next 16, and say that would be 24 minutes a day. Maybe he plays... I don't know. I still think he's going to get 30 minutes a game. I think he's going to get 30 minutes a game. However you want to orient that. I just wouldn't guarantee you that he's a starter. We know at this point T.J. Hurley's probably a starter. We know that Verretto's a starter. We know Fiorillo's probably a starter. Then we got to see about the other transfers and the other guys that they bring in and the guys that are redshirting last year and Sam Alamutu and Michelle Ndiyashimiye and Jackson Skipper. We just got to see. We just got to see. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I got a couple of NFL things that I've been sitting on here. I'm going to bring you that news and notes, kind of the news and notes column next here on DEV. To be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Jazz with George Thomas coming up just a couple of minutes from now here on the Friendly Pioneer. Uh, Red Sox baseball is just underway down in Tampa, working on getting you an update there. Again, the phone coverage here, a little spotty today, even on the cell phone side of things. Uh, it has been a little bit better as we moved uh throughout the afternoon here, but it was really bad during the midday and the afternoon news service. It's 0-0 Red Sox and Rays here in the bottom of the first. The Rays have a man on. Somebody has reached on an air in this one. Um, That was an air by Bobby Dahlbeck. And go figure, when the Red Sox have to play Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop, 
That's what happens, right? An air by Dahlbeck, Wander Franco reached and then stole second. So there is a runner at second with one out. Chris Sale is on the mound. The Red Sox went quietly in the first inning there. We will have this issue all fixed up by tomorrow, and uh, we will have first pitch for you at 110. The pregame show will begin at 1210, so a very, very short midday news service, that's for sure, only about a couple of minutes. I want to get to one NFL news and note for you. Bill Barnwell of ESPN saying something that I think a lot of people are wondering. Why are the Atlanta Falcons not going after Lamar Jackson? They're in position to compete. I'm not going to lie. They, they're the team this entire time. I felt like, why aren't they making a move for Lamar Jackson? Because if they make a move for Lamar Jackson, suddenly that is a really good football team as opposed to one that is kind of hopeful. So optimistic. But I'm just, I keep sitting here saying, man, this would be the perfect fit. If they're going to make, anyone's going to make a bit for Lamar Jackson, it should be the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I don't get why the Atlanta Falcons aren't going after Lamar Jackson either, frankly. Um, the Atlanta Falcons have a chance to win. At least their division, right? The NFC South still isn't particularly good at this moment. Tom Brady has left Tampa, so they figure to be taking a step back, right? Baker Mayfield is not a suitable replacement for Tom Brady. So they're going to be not really a threat. The Panthers are going to play with the number one pick in the draft. Whether it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, those guys might be good. They're not going to come in and set the division ablaze. So now they're not really a threat, at least this year. And the Saints with Derek Carr, I think we like, but we don't love. Like they can easily be overtaken. And a Falcons team with Lamar Jackson would overtake them. So why are the Falcons not going for him? If it's because they have that much faith in Desmond Ritter, then okay, who they drafted last year in the second or third round, then maybe. But Desmond Ritter is not Lamar Jackson. And it's not going to be Lamar Jackson anytime soon. It makes too much sense. Look, this is a franchise in Atlanta that has had great fanfare for a running quarterback. Remember Michael Vick? Lamar Jackson doing Vick-like things on the surface that Vick played on would be hugely popular in Atlanta and would bring back a lot of nostalgia. Falcons fans loved Vick, and they would love the way Lamar plays. You have a winnable division. You have a guy who played in the South when it comes to college football, played at Louisville. I know it's not as South as Atlanta, but still, you have a guy who's played in that area of the country, has played in the ACC, immensely popular, Heisman Trophy winner, and he makes your team better. Now, if you don't want to pay him the money, guaranteed, okay. If you don't want to give up the draft picks, I would say that's wrong, but... If I'm the Falcons, I'd be going after Lamar Jackson, too. I'd at least be starting the conversation about going after him. They came out pretty instantly and said, we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. And I, I don't, frankly don't have any idea why you wouldn't be interested in Lamar Jackson. That's a guy you should be wanting. It's a guy you should be interested in. It's a guy who could change your franchise. I want him with the Patriots. I don't want to pay him $230 million guaranteed. But if you can get that number down, and if you're in Atlanta – and he'd want to play for you, I'd gladly do it. He'd be popular for your franchise. He'd help you sell tickets. He'd help you win a mediocre division. And a bad NFC entirely, you'd have a chance to win. And you'd get him playing indoors all the time where he could play even quicker on that Mercedes-Benz uh, dome turf. That's going to do it for us here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. I have made it through my three hours of 
it's like it's like rookie hazing here at the WDEV group. Internetless and uh, phoneless for the day. I have made it through, and we are here. Um, have gotten the Red Sox are down three nothing. By the way, if this makes you feel any better about us not having it on the air. Um, there's a home run by Randy Rosarena, it looks like, but it was, yeah, it was a challenged home run, and it looks like it has stuck for Tampa. 3 nothing race at the end of one. That's not the way we wanted to start. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up next here on DEV. Go find the Brady Farkas Show on your favorite podcast channel.